if you have your Bibles with you, if you uh, turn to Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> We've been looking at uh, the big Acts this last uh, number of weeks. And uh, I sort of plan to sort of go through the whole book. And uh, we looked at chapter 7. I think was it maybe it could have been three weeks ago or four weeks ago. So we uh, we're going to try and take on the first five verses of uh, chapter eight of um, Acts. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judah and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hating men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad were everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And we trust the Lord to bless this portion of his precious truth. <clears throat> We see here in verse 3, as, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, hating men and women, committing them to prison. You know, that's a, that's a very interesting verse. If you turn over, right over to Genesis and chapter 49. And this, and this is uh, Jacob. And we can imagine Jacob sitting on the side of the bed. And he's prophesying to all his sons what's going to happen tell his sons and we read in scripture that Saul of Tarsus he was of the tribe of Benjamin and we see here in verse 27 of Genesis um, 49 uh, Benjamin shall be a raven as a wolf in the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. We see here in this verse that the generations of Benjamin, they were going about as a wolf. And what does a wolf do? A wolf scatters the sheep. And you know what was happening here? And, and Acts chapter 
8 and verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and healing men and women, committing them to prison. We see here that that was passing through all them generations. Read in Matthew chapter 1 that there was 14 generations between Abraham and David. There was another 14 generations between David and the children of Israel carried away to Babylon. And then there was another 14 generations between the children of Israel being carried away to Babylon to Christ. Read also about, uh, it's, it's an interesting subject to, to, to study, the, um, the sons of, of Jacob and all what happened. But we'll not maybe focus on that tonight. It's just too big a study. But you know, read about Reuben. You know, Jacob said to Reuben, you know, you're unstable as water. And then he went on to say, you'll not excel. And you know, we never read anywhere in Scripture where there was ever a priest or a prophet out of the line of Reuben. But then, you know, we'll come to Judith, Judah. And, you know, he, he was going to be the lion. He was going to be the lion. And, uh, but I want to focus tonight more on verses 4 and 5. Therefore, they were scattered abroad, went everywhere, preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Now we've been a sort of focusing and uh, we've been sort of using for our text this last, this last uh, while since we started the book of Acts. It's chapter 6 and verse 4. We will give ourselves continually continually to prayer. And you know, we've got to think of that word. We've give ourselves. Give. That means give. And to the ministry of the word. And you see here that they were going everywhere preaching the word. Therefore, they were all scattered abroad, went everywhere, everywhere. I want to emphasize that word, everywhere. They went everywhere, preaching, preaching the word. In Romans chapter 10 and verse four, <coughs> 14, how shall I hear without a preacher? Read in, in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 3 about John the Baptist that he was in the wilderness 
And what was he doing? He was preaching. He was preaching repent. We read in, in, in Matthew about the Savior or, uh, <clears throat> and about sending out the disciples to heal the sick, to clean the lepers, to do mighty works. We read about the great apostle Paul. He was writing to young Timothy. And he said, preach the word. Be instant, in season, and out of season. There was a man who went up one day to Charles Spurgeon. And he said to him, he says, your messages, they're nearly all the same. Charles Spurgeon replied, he says, you're absolutely right. He says, I could take a text anywhere in the whole of the Bible. But then he says, I make a beeline for the cross. I make a beeline for the cross. We read about John Wesley. And as he was learning his young students to, to go out and to preach the gospel. He said, he says, put fire in your sermons or put your sermons in the fire. There was another preacher who said, he says, preach for a verdict and expect it and God will honor your faith. But you know, they went out and they preached the gospel and there was substance in it because, you know, there was, in the day of Pentecost, the same 3,000 3, souls saved. And daily, every day daily, there was, there was precious souls was added to the church. You know, we could say today, you know, would, the, would there be 3,000 souls saved in Northern Ireland in one year? In one year? And still, they were saying 3,000 souls saved in one day. And you know, this is what I want to look at tonight. I was want to look at the substance. The first thing we see here, the word of God as a seed. It says in, in, in Psalm 126, verse 6, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless, doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Um, 
Whenever we were young believers, well, younger in the faith, <coughs> uh, we helped out at a work, my wife and I helped out at a work in Ravarnet. And um, we, we, we taught Sunday school, took to do with the Youth Fellowship as well. And uh, the, um, now, things were a lot different then than what they are now. The, um, we were at the children's meetings, and like you could go around the estates, and I was sort of on one side of Lisbon, Ravornet. You know, you could go into Lisbon and go into the estates and pick up youngsters. And uh, the mothers more or less wanted rid of the youngsters for a couple of hours, so there was no problem getting youngsters. And <laughs> they, uh, there was one fella, and he was quite a known man, but the, um, he was very, um, what do you say, convincing and getting children to, to the meetings whenever he was going around the houses, you know. And there was one particular night that he was picking up youngsters to bring them. And uh, he had them in the bit of the car and everywhere. And I think he had 14 in the car. <laughs> Where nowadays, you know, you sort of need seat belts, you know, and they all had to be sort of strapped in. <laughs> you just can't get away with them sort of things. <laughs> but, you know, in them, in them days, you know, you could sort of get away with a whole lot of things, you know. But... Um, <clears throat> They um, weighed, uh, there was one particular area in Barnet, and it was sort of, you know, what you say, a posh area. And uh, it's usually very hard to get children to come out of that particular area. The, you know, just, you know, you just went to the door and you said your party piece and you walked away and, well... <laughs> That was it. So, but there was this particular, I went to this particular house and they said they would have enough to send their boy and girl along to the Sunday school. So that was fine. I started going every Sunday and I picked them up for them to go to the Sunday school and that was fine. And that went on for quite some time. That was fine. And, uh, you know, you never think anything more about it. And then the, eventually they left the Sunday school. But, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, there was this lady come up to the open air. And she, she says to me, she says, it was because of you taking our children to Sunday school. He says, they're both saved. And then she went on to say, she goes to Foresight. And they, um, so, you know, it was, it was a very interesting, it was a very interesting conversation. You know, I haven't seen the woman for over 20 years, but still, she was able to come up to me in the open air a couple of weeks ago and said, you know, you know, that's a seed. That's a seed that was planted all them years ago. And, you know, it's, a, it's encouraging. It's encouraging. Um, we read, and First Peter, being born again, not 
of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Not only is the word of God a seed, but it's a hammer. If you turn over to Jeremiah, and it's Jeremiah 23, and verse 29, it says, It's not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Now, you know, a rock, it speaks of something or represents something that's unchangeable or unmovable. But we see here the hammer it crushes the rock. It crushes the rock. As the word of God has been preached, what God does, God takes the, the hammer of his word to a rebellious, hardened heart. And what does he do? He breaks, the, he, he breaks that heart in pieces for the hammer of his word. You know, each one of us can look back in a day and an hour and a moment when God was working in our hearts. And what was the word of God doing? It was, it, it, it was like a hammer. I was breaking. I was breaking our heart in pieces. I was breaking our heart in pieces. God smashes the hammer of his word. He breaks the yoke of sin. The ungodly that seemed unmovable. But God then breaks the rock. And you know, we're here tonight to pray for those that are, their, their hearts is hard. They're like, they're like the rock that's unmovable. But you know, God can smash that rock in pieces. There's something else about this hammer. You know, it's a mighty hammer. You know, it's not just a wee twitty hammer that you hammer in Calvert tax. Or it's not just a wee 10 inch hammer. But you know, it represents, you know, a sledgehammer. 
The pastor would know something about the sledgehammer last night. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, we just let him have the heavy side of it. <laughs> the, uh, <clears throat> but the, 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 this hammer is like a sledgehammer against the works of the enemy. You know, the, the, the true prayer, you know, as it were, this hammer that breaks the rock in pieces, you know, as a mighty hammer, it's God's hammer. But you know, the hammer is useless if it's just sitting there doing nothing. But you know, you need to grab the hold of it. And you need to you need to swing it, and you need to swing it, and then bring it forth. But you need to do it with all your might. And you know that's that's what we need to do when we're when we're in prayer, and when we're when we're preaching the word. We need to do it with all our might. You know, whenever um, there's a, fa- a man, my wife and I knew very well, he's in the glory now. And it's one of them playing fellas, and he would, just, he would ask you a very stale question very fast. And uh, the question he would ask, he says, he only tracks on you. He said, he says, you know, we're soldiers of the cross. And he says, you need to be armed. You need to have tracks on you. He says, you know, if you come across a needy soul, and he says, there's, there's, there's no telling where that needy soul, you might meet that person. He says, you need to be armed. You need to have a gospel track or a gospel tracks on you at all times. Well, a lot of the time I don't have gospel tracks. I confess that. But I try. I I just say that word, try. (laughs) But you know, we're we're, we're preaching the word of God. You know, whenever we give somebody even a gospel track. You know, we're living living in an age, there's a lot of needy souls out there. I happen to just come come to this prayer meeting here tonight. I got held back a wee minute or two because I come across Tommy Chai and he says, uh, he says to me, he says, I, I, I want to go to the meeting some night, but I want to go right that I've no drink on my, you know, I want to, I want to go right. You know, you know, we need to, pay, there's a lot of needy souls out there and we need to keep sowing the seed. We need to keep sowing the seed. They um, not only <clears throat> is the word of God a seed and it's a hammer, but we see in this verse that we read in Jeremiah uh, twenty-three, verse twenty-nine, is not my word like as a fire. What does a fire do? A fire purifies. 
a fire purifies. The word of God purifies the heart of God's child. As the ungodly man comes under the heat of the word of God, a fire, you know what a fire can do? A fire can burn a place to ashes. I know what, what does the word of God do? You know when the word of God gets into a sinner's heart, you know what can burn? And it can burn that hardness. It can burn that hardness away. The word of God at burns. It shows the sinner that he's lost. That the ungodly, they're in the ashes of their sin. Lost the word of God. Lost in the sight of a holy God. But you know the word of God is a light. It's a light. Um, if you turn over to James chapter 1. Hebrews, James. And verse 23, James 1 and verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror and a glass. Um, the word of God you can see here is as a mirror. It is as a mirror. For, as verse 24 it says, For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. The word of God it is a, it's a mirror. When you look into a mirror, what do you see? You see a reflection of yourself. As the word of God has been preached, what does the Holy Ghost do? The Holy Ghost Shows the sinner a reflection of himself. He sees his sin in the sight of a righteous and a holy God. He realizes that he is in his road to hell. 
that he needs to repent. It says in First Corinthians one twenty one, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The word of God it's is a mirror. The word of God as a sword. If you turn over to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says here, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word is quick. The word of God is quick. That means the word of God is alive. That's the meaning of that word. Quick. It's alive. You know this, if you go to any bookstore, you know the Bible, it's the, it's, it's the oldest book that you're getting on a bookstore. And still, it's the most up-to-date. It's the most up-to-date. It's quick. It's powerful. It, it con convinces powerfully. Converts powerfully. It is sharper than any sword. It will enter where no other sword can. It pierces to the dividing asunder. It penetrates. It makes humble a soul that has, has long been proud. It can make people to go to undergo the sharpest operation to put sin to death. All of our actions and thoughts of the hearts and minds are open and laid bare before him. But you know, we're here tonight and we, we serve a wonderful Savior. He's the King of Kings and the, and the Lord of Lords. 
And you know, his, his word is a seed. It's a hammer. It's fire. It's a mirror. And it's sharper than an only two-edged sword. And you know, we, we serve a wonderful, a wonderful Savior. The one who went the whole road to Calvary for each one of us. We read in the book of Hebrews, he tastes of death for every man. And you know, we can say it's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that liveth in me. You know, we, we, have a, we serve a mighty Savior. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen.